The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. The question I want to ask you this morning is, have you ever thought about what somebody might say at your memorial service? Have you ever been, you've been to a funeral lately and you've, you've kind of sat in and you hear all these comments? And of course, everybody says nice things, you know, unless... The guy was a real jerk. And then they still find out there's some nice things. We, we figure it out somehow. But if you ever wonder what it would be? And uh, so I, I did a little research this week and went online and found some great little epitaphs of real live people at their funerals. Take a look at what some of these are. Uh, this one that's up at the top must have been a hypochondriac. It says, I told you I was sick. Um, the children of Israel wanted bread and the Lord sent them manna. Old Clerk Wallace wanted a wife, and the devil sent him Anna. So um, here's the body of Jonathan Blake, stepped on the gas instead of the brake. Here lies Johnny East, pardon me for not rising. Here lies an atheist all dressed up and nowhere to go. But funny, what's interesting is this is a real one. Um, My Jesus Mercy, Al Capone. Isn't that interesting? There's another one um, by Winston Churchill that says, I am ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the greater deal of meeting me is another matter. And then finally, Martin Luther King Jr. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. But what are people going to say about you? I had the fascinating experience of doing a funeral a number of years ago for a canine. Now, you know, I mean, that sounds strange, but being working with the police department, I worked with a canine unit, and there was a young man who was a canine handler named Brian, who I uh, was able to lead to Christ, and Brian's dog was killed in the line of duty. It was a sad, sad incident where they were chasing a bad guy down an alley, and Brian had taken his dog off lead and put him in a down stay position in the middle of that alley. And they were chasing this armed robbery suspect up the alley, didn't know that this is where he lived. He climbed into a vehicle. And because that dog was completely obedient to Brian's command, that car drove right over the top of the dog because he, didn't, he refused to move and dragged that dog about 100 feet and ended up killing the dog. And so I was asked to do the memorial service for a canine. I'm thinking, what am I going to say about a dog? But as I began to think through this dog and what it had done for Brian and been his partner for a long period of time, it dawned on me that what partner would give up their life, even obedient to the point of death? And then it hit me. Of course, it's Jesus Christ. And uh, it was really a powerful moment, and I was able to share the gospel in front of the mayor and the governor and all kinds of media. It was a wonderful experience, and here is a dog that left a legacy. Now, I don't want to compare you to that, but I think the point I want to make is we all leave legacies. It could be a good legacy, it could be a bad legacy. And this morning, we're going to look on this journey with Elijah. You remember, we've been kind of following Elijah, if you've been following uh, the sermon series that I've been doing when I substitute for John. And so I want to take you to where Elijah comes to the end of his life. And so if you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, I'd like to read the whole text to you this morning because I want you to get the whole flavor here. This is Elijah coming to the end of his life. And I want you to know here that as we read this chapter, you're going to see that Elijah knew that he was going to somehow be taken up to heaven. He didn't know exactly how it was going to look. Now, just imagine this. You know that you are going to die or at least leave this earth at a particular time. 
Follow along with me in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Now you remember, Elisha was given to Elijah when he was at his darkest moment and wanted to die. Gave him Elisha as somebody for him to mentor and be a partner in ministry with, okay? But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. And then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets of Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? I wanted to put here, duh, but anyways, we won't go there. Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. As he replied, and he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elijah had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two men crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And this is an amazing request. He says, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, Beat me up, Scotty. No, he didn't say that. Sorry. <laughs> my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more, and then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And then they took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. This is an amazing story of passing the mantle of Elijah leaving a legacy to his friend Elisha. My first question to you this morning here is that Elijah, or first comment here is Elijah was well aware that he wasn't going to be on the earth forever. He knew that he was going to be taken up that day. Now, it's a fascinating thought. What if you knew you were being taken up today? What if you knew you were going to die today? What if you knew that God was going to just take you out? How would you live your life differently? See, the question we have to answer is, do we live our lives with the understanding that this world is really not our home? We invest so much time and energy in this life, and in reality, God's saying, look, life is too short. It's but a blip on the radar screen when it comes to the reality of all eternity. And here's a guy who knew that he was going to be taken up. And my question that God really brought home to me is again, do I live my life with the understanding that this world isn't our home? You know, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things that are above, 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that above, not on earthly things. And he's not saying to be so heavenly minded, you know earthly good, but our ultimate destiny is heaven, hopefully, if we know Jesus. And then he goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Do we realize we are aliens? Now, we're legalized aliens because we got our green card. Because when we accepted Jesus Christ, he gave us a green card so that we could work for him and serve him all the days of our life. You see, we've got an immigration problem in this country. And people who don't have their green card are illegal aliens. And so we're just only aliens visiting this planet. Remember that old song we, some of us used to sing when we were younger? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid on somewhere beyond the blue. Do we live our lives like this is all there is, or do we see beyond that? You see, Elijah knew that day was coming, and he lived his life day by day, knowing there's an eternity. Here's the second thought. Here, Elijah, what I see in this particular passage, he leaves the earth with his boots on. You know what I love about this guy? He first goes uh, to, to Jericho, and then he went to Bethel, and then he went to Jericho, and then he went to Jordan. Why did he do that? Well, these were all hot spots of where young prophets were being trained. It, it was like three little seminaries. And he would stop by there, and he knew it was going to be his last day on earth, and yet he still invested his time and energy in all these young prophets. See, they knew that, that he was going to be taken up, and that's why they were they're almost kind of boasting to Elijah, saying, hey, we know he's being taken up today. We're pretty cool. We got, we got an inside deal in this. But what I love about this is that Elijah, to the very day that he was taken up, he was busy serving his God, doing what he was supposed to do. He was pouring his life into younger men. You see, what I want to say to you and I want to say to myself again, there's no such thing as retirement when it comes to serving the Lord. Amen. So there's no excuse for anybody sitting here to say, I'm too old. I'm too far beyond. I can't serve the Lord. You know, people have asked me now that I have my Medicare card, when are you going to retire? And I said, I'm not retiring. There's no way I'm going to retire. As long as God gives me health, I want to continue to serve the Lord as long as I can. There's no such thing as retirement. I see a lot of, especially older folks who have somehow decided that maybe golf and, and, and kind of just, you know, taking it easy for the rest of their lives is what they deserve. No. Nobody should be retiring from the kingdom. Good. Thank you. I got one anyways. None of us have the right to check out. None of us do. And I love this about Elijah, that he spent his entire life serving God, being a prophet, and to the very day that God took him out, he was still teaching these young men. It's a powerful illustration of a godly man and a godly legacy. Thirdly, what I love about Elijah is that he invested his life into a young eagle. You see, God gave him this, this, this traveling partner, this buddy named Elisha. And you remember when he was really down and feeling lonely and frustrated and, and, and God told him to get up and get going. And by the way, I'm going to give you a bud named Elisha. 
And Elijah began to pour his life into Elisha. And Elisha stuck to him like glue, as you read. I mean, Elijah tried to get rid of him three times. And he said, ain't no way. I'm not leaving you, pal. I'm sticking to you like, like, like glue. I want to catch every single moment of your life. I want to observe every single thing that you do. I want to know what God is doing in your life. What a powerful illustration of Elijah who invested his life into this young man. Now, you kind of wonder, why did Elisha keep telling him, Elisha, you stay here, I'm going to go on ahead. Well, a lot of commentators really have, have talked about this, but we're not really positive of reason why he kept saying to Elijah, you know, stay here. But I think in my mind, he was really testing Elisha's fortitude and resolve that he was going to pick up that mantle and take it and have the same resolve and grit that Elijah had. And being a strong-willed, apparently, that Elisha was, he kept saying, no way, I'm sticking to you like glue, pal. I'm your shadow. I want to learn everything there is to know about what you do and how you spend your life. You see, we need to be more intentional about investing in young eagles. And my question to you this morning, who are you investing your life into? Whom are you investing your life into? Now, it's really interesting because sometimes we're not always intentional about that, but it could be your kids, it could be your grandkids, it could be your husband, your wife, it could be somebody you're working with, it could be somebody that you've had in, in the past that you've, you've spent time with, that you've invested in, but are you being intentional about investing your life into other people? You see, there's so many people who invest their lives in tasks and different things, but when we invest in people, we see a legacy taking place. My question is, what if more older men and older women caught, women caught the vision of really mentoring those people who are younger? What if we really took it seriously? You know, I, I work with pastors, as you know, when God uh, had me leave the, the local church and start pastoring pastors, and I keep seeing over and over again older pastors who are in their 60s who have not invested their time in younger eagles so that when they leave their ministries, there's a guy right there ready to take up the mantle. It concerns me that we're not investing in younger generations. There's young people out there all day long that are leaving the church, and I'm wondering if one of the problems is is we're not investing in their lives as older men into younger men and older women into younger women. I got a little political there, sorry, but I just had to share that. What if we had spent more time investing in relationships? I know that some of you are hardworking men when you were younger. And your kids were vulnerable and teachable and, and moldable at that time. And you spent more time at the office than you did in their lives. We need to be more intentional about investing in young eagles. Well, let's go on as we look at this again, this illustration, verses 9 through 11. Because this is a powerful time. They're getting ready and we know that the moment's just about ready to arrive where Elijah's being taken up in the whirlwind. And in verse 9 it says, When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken up? It's like, one more thing. Lord, Elijah, Elisha, before I go, what can I, what, can I, what can I do? What can I do for you? What a, what a great thing. It wasn't about Elijah. It was about Elisha. It wasn't about him. So Elijah passes the mantle to Elisha before he leaves. And you look at it, and it's, and it's really, really cool here. He says, what can I do before I'm taken up? And he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. And you think, wow, Elisha was a little greedy there, wasn't he? No. 
Verse 10, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. So Elisha passes this mantle. In verse 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to the heaven in a whirlwind. Can you imagine being there present at that moment? I mean, how cool is that? I mean, Star Trek has got nothing on this guy. This is really amazing. And you see these 50 prophets over here. Can you imagine them across the Jordan kind of witnessing this whole thing? These young guys probably got their mouths open thinking, what in the world just happened? It's an incredible thing. What I love about this is Elijah was able to let go and allow Elisha to sprout his prophetic wings. And that's really hard for some of us. Sometimes when we, when we pour our lives into our kids and our grandkids, it's awfully hard to let go and let them sprout their wings. But it was just, this was a time. This was a time and place where Elijah said, Elisha, it's all yours, buddy. I'm going to let it go. And I really find it fascinating because you remember, it wasn't that long ago that Elijah prayed for what? That he'd die. And God, in a sense of humor, said, oh, you aren't going to die, ever. We're going to take you up in a world where I thought that was pretty cool. Anyways, we'll move on. So here's the question. Have you given those you've invested an opportunity to sprout their wings? Or are you still trying to control them? Kind of, sometimes we do that as a mom and a dad, especially, or if we're a boss. You know, it's, it's really been tough for me when I, I see pastors who are control freaks because I deal with pastors all the time, and so that's kind of my world. And it really bothers me that some pastors just don't let it go. They don't release. They don't empower. They don't equip. They don't train. They don't give guys the opportunity to sprout their wings and to grow. And it's really hard sometimes as a parent to do the same thing with our kids as they get older, to really release them and empower them and equip them so that when you release them, you can let go with maybe assurance and faith rather than fear and anxiety. And it was really powerful here is that Elijah passes the mantle and it doesn't bother him in the least. It's like, yeah, it's time, man. It's your, it's your show here. It's your opportunity. What can I do for you before I leave? I love it. I love it. The freedom to be able to release that. And I remember when I, when I left my church six years ago and, and, and it was a time where it was really difficult for me to let go. I mean, we planted the church. We planted four or five other churches and and, and it was an investment of 24 years of my life. And when, when God called me into this ministry to pastors, it was really hard for me to, to really deal with that and to let go. But all during that time, I saw a couple of guys in my staff, Jason and Eric, who were just great young men, great young men of God who had gifts and abilities that were even beyond me for sure. And so when I went to the elder board and said, you know what, I'm going to resign, but I really want to encourage you to empower Eric and Jason to take over this ministry. And they all looked at me kind of weird and thinking, well, wait a minute, don't we have to get a search committee and find a new pastor? Why? Why? I mean, we've invested in these guys for the last eight or 10 years. It's time to let these guys sprout their wings and do their thing. And it's just so much joy for me when I go home. In fact, I get to preach in my own church next Sunday. It's such a thrill to just see these guys blossom and grow. And it's just really exhilarating for me. I feel like a, a, a dad or a grandpa when I go back to the church and I see these guys doing a great job of leading. It's so important for us to be willing to release. And here was a guy who was willing to release his friend Elisha to take the next step in his life. 
Now, what's really interesting here is Elisha does ask Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. I thought, wow, that's incredible. I mean, this looks like maybe a greedy request, but in reality, he was had such respect and such admiration for, for Elijah, watching him and observing him and encouraging him along their journey as a prophet, that they saw, he saw such a great man of God, he thought, man, if I could even have, if I could have double of what he's got, what an impact God could have in my life. And my question here is, is there anybody in your life who so respects your walk with God that they would want a double portion of your spirit? That's a hard one to answer. I remember we got a phone call many years ago. I think it was it was around Thanksgiving, wasn't it, hun? When Jimmy Jimmy called. And this is a young man that we took into our home back when he was 16 years old. He was abandoned by his family. And this high school called us. We had a high school ministry at that time. And he said, would you, would you and your wife be willing to take this kid in? And we said, yeah, we'll, we'll take this kid in. And there were some heartaches along the way with Jimmy. He rolled my truck and destroyed it. Um, he was being tailed by the local police for maybe being a drug pusher. But we invested a lot of love and time and energy in Jimmy. We saw him graduate from high school, and he went off into the Army. Haven't heard from Jimmy for years. We got a phone call on a Thanksgiving morning, and Jimmy called to say thank you. I said, thank you for what? He said, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being role models in my life. I said, well, Jimmy, what's going on in your life these days? He said, well, I went into the Army, and now I'm a pastor of a Baptist church in South Carolina. He has since then subscribed to my blog, and I hear from him now and then on Facebook. And you just never know, I guess, is where I'm going with this. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a kid that obviously watched us and saw hopefully some integrity and some unconditional love. And because of that investment in his life, he really said, you guys have been such an example to me. I want to carry that same example to others. It, it, um, it's an emotional thing for even me to think about that. But, you know, um, I started this message with a bunch of funny epitaphs of people and some serious. And, and I was thinking about what would God want to say to me or what would people say about me when, when I die? And I guess the, the greatest compliment would be is if they would write in my tombstone, here lies Garishay, whose spirit manifested a double portion. Would you like people to write that about you? Do you have people in your life that you're intentionally pouring your love and time and energy into with a great hope and dream and faith that that person someday when you meet your last day on earth and they were able to stand up at your message and say, you know what, I love that guy so much. And he meant so much. She meant so much to me. I like double portion of his spirit. I think about, I'm sorry, but I think about Juan. Joshua poured his life into Juan. Jacob's poured his life into Juan. 
Wouldn't it be exciting if one goes back to South Korea and starts a whole network of ministry in the lives of his friends in South Korea? To be able to go home and say, you know what, mom and dad? There was a mom and dad who took me in as a foreign exchange student and loved me unconditionally. I want to be like Pam and Bruce. I want to be like Josh. I want to be like Jacob. That's what it's all about, amen. That's what it's all about. So are you leaving the legacy this morning? Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning thanking you and praising you for guys like Jimmy, for guys like Juan, for guys like Josh and Jacob, for the many people that are sitting here today, Lord, who are leaving a legacy whether they know it or not. And, oh, God, I pray that all of us would take seriously the investments that we're making in the lives of people, our kids, our grandkids, the people we work with, so that someday, Lord, we're going to be leaving this earth just like Elijah, whether it's through the rapture or through the grave, that people are going to be talking, people are going to be saying things about us. And, oh, God, I pray that every one of us would have that legacy of leaving a double spirit for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.